0: I love the Macy's Mother's Day gift guide. I use it. It has the perfect gift to make all moms feel special. You can shop by price. You can shop by
1: category. They have gift lists. You know, they have a list for the mom who has everything,
0: one for grandma. And you can get top gifts like Coach Floral Printed Leather Cassie Crossbody Bag. I love a crossbody bag. Or the thing that my mom loved more than anything, the La Crusette Shallot Dutch Oven. Shop at macy's.com slash gift finder. If you love tequila cocktails, then check out the award-winning 21 Seeds Infused Tequila. It's a one-of-a-kind
1: tequila that is infused with the juice of real fruit. So it's Smooth, it's not sweet, it smells fresh and bright, and it tastes incredible.
0: 21 Seeds makes the most delicious and easy margaritas and cocktails so you can focus on the fun, like game night with your besties. With 21 Seeds, you only need two or three ingredients to make your perfect cocktail. Try 21 Seeds Infused Tequila. Learn more at 21seeds.com. Enjoy responsibly 21 Seeds, Diageo, New York, New York.
1: Jenna Fisher. And I'm Angela Kinsey. We were on The Office together. And we're best friends. And now we're doing the Ultimate Office rewatch podcast just for you.
0: Each week, we will break down an episode of The Office and give exclusive behind-the-scenes stories that only two people who were there can tell you. We're The Office ladies. Hello, everybody. Hi, you guys. Before we get going today, I want to say happy birthday to my BFF. Thank you, Angela. Yes, I, as
1: I was arriving today, I saw Angela not open the door for me and instead run
0: past the door. Listen, because I because she was up to something. I didn't think <laughs> you saw me. <laughs> Although Sam and Cassie, I did say there's a chance she might have seen me. Yes, I did say that. Yes, you did. I did that right after I swatted um, plastic cutlery out of Sam's hand. It was the most aggressive thing I've ever seen you do. <laughs> he was <laughs> no saying, time. No time. Was, no time. She's here. Get the cutlery out of the way. But we love you, and we wanted to say happy birthday.
1: Oh, I loved it. I got a giant bouquet of flowers. I mean, humongous, so pretty. And Josh made me some gluten-free treats. He did, because you get desserts on your birthday at office, ladies. I like it. And then, Angela, you gave me just a beautiful gift. It's, <laughs> it's an inside joke, I
0: guess we should say. Mm-hmm. But also, guys, <gasps> I made the card with my um, second grade level skill set. And it was an elaborate homemade card, and Thank I loved you. it. Thank
1: you. Well, what are we talking about today? We are talking about Shareholder Meeting, which is Season 6, Episode 11, written by Justin Spitzer and directed by Charles McDougal. <gasps> Action! Action! Charles McDougal. hmm Here's your summary. Michael heads to a shareholder meeting in New York City, and he brings Andy, Dwight, and Oscar with him. Michael is shocked— when he and other higher members of the company are booed while on stage, and he tries to improve the situation by suddenly and publicly making promises that management cannot fill. Meanwhile, back at the office, Jim realizes that nobody takes him seriously as a real boss.
0: That's our summary. Michael, on a stage, in front of people, What were you thinking, corporate?
1: What were you thinking? They must have been very desperate. Clearly. Fast fact number one, this episode ran on November 19th, 2009 during NBC's Green Week, also known as Green is Universal. Yes. For, you know, NBC Universal.
0: I remember we went to like a party for NBC around this time and the red carpet was green. Yes. The green
1: carpet. They turned their logo green Mm -hmm. for this week as well. For Green Week, the network asked shows to incorporate this theme into their episodes somehow. They also ran news stories on environmental issues like hybrid vehicles and hydrofracking. Al Gore made an appearance on 30 Rock. On Community, the college that they attend— Greendale. It's Greendale Community College. Well, they changed their name to Environdale. (laughs) They were already green. (laughs) I know, but they changed (laughs) it to Environdale. And then they plan a green concert. This was my favorite tie-in. On Law & Order SVU, they had, quote, an accused killer has to resort to alternate means to make money after too many people have started recycling their own bottles and cans.
0: Wow.
1: Which I thought was, um, it's kind of like... Too much recycling led to a killing spree. Yeah. feels like a uh, message maybe not what Green Week was hoping for.
0: Feels a little forced, guys. (laughs) No judgment. Feels a little forced.
1: Our contribution to Green Week was Recyclops. We have a whole cold open.
0: Oh, Rain is Recyclops. He really got into it.
1: Well, we got a lot of info on that. We're going to break it down for you when we get there. Okay. Fast fact number two is a location breakdown for the shareholder meeting. They were not in New York City.
0: What? Yeah. We didn't fly there and hire all those people in Manhattan? We did not, lady. Where was it?
1: This hotel, all the interiors and the exteriors, were shot at the downtown Marriott Hotel on South Figueroa in Los Angeles. Now Marriott sold this property some years back, and it is now called the L.A. Grand Hotel. We shot at the hotel for three days. On Monday and Tuesday, we were in the main ballroom and we used 405 background performers each day. And then on Thursday, we were in the lobby and the hospitality suite and the kind of drive up area. The valet? The valet. The yes. drive up area. Take me to the drive up area. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do. Hi, could I claim my car from the drive-up drive up area? area, please? Thank you.
0: I have my thingy. For my drive up area.
1: Well, Randy told us that the hotel provided us with breakfast and craft services for all of our background performers. But Sergio and Alan of Big Time Catering made lunch for everybody. We had to have three serving lines, like we did for Company Picnic. It's a lot of people. They went all out. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Fast Fact Number Three. I'm very excited about Fast Me Fact Number too. Three. Here's the thing about Fast Fact Number Three. Tell him. At 15 minutes and 35 seconds, there is a scene with Jim and Ryan back in the annex. Jim is asking Ryan if he's finished this spreadsheet that he's asked him to do, but Ryan is playing Tetris. This is all part of that Jim Ryan storyline. Where Ryan is goofing off and no one takes Jim's authority seriously.
0: Seriously, this episode could be called shareholder meeting slash Ryan's Sass."
1: It really could.
0: It rolls off the tongue.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, in this scene of Ryan playing Tetris, I noticed there were a ton of gift bags on Kelly's desk. And I was like, what are all these gift bags about? I just I had to know what's up with the gift bags.
0: Yeah, I noticed it, too. I counted four gift bags. What the heck are these gift bags about?
1: I was thinking, is there something in the shooting draft? Maybe something that was deleted that could explain this. Well, when I went to check the shooting draft, the entire Jim Ryan storyline, otherwise known as Ryan Sass, was Mm -hmm. missing.
0: I mean, it's just not there at all. Completely not there. So I went to the shooting draft because I didn't know Jenna was going to the shooting draft. And then I'm like, Jenna, what the heck? The Ryan Sass is gone. And we started trading all these messages about it. You guys, we had a text flurry.
1: We really did. (laughs) And we decided to get to the bottom of it. Folks, fast fact number three is going to be a real mom detectives moment. Sam even made us an intro for it. It was a cold and rainy night when someone dropped that package through my mailbox. So many clues, so much chaos. It had been a long time since I saw this big of a mess. But because it wasn't a far drive. And because it wasn't a school night. And because there was only a little bit of evidence so it could fit in a small amount of pockets. And because I had snacks in case they got hungry. And because it wasn't chilly out. God help me, I knew who I needed to call. The mom detectives.
0: Oh, I love it so much. <laughs> it cracks me up. Every piece of that makes me laugh, Sam. I love that it starts in a thunderstorm. <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> I love the small amount of evidence that mm. can fit into tiny pockets. And because we have snacks. There were restrooms <laughs> nearby. Oh, oh yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, here it is, folks. I reached out to James Carey and writer Justin Spitzer.
0: And I dug into my digital clutter, and I found an email from Randy Cordray Mm. that said, Team Office, it is looking like we need to shoot some additional material for shareholder meeting. (gasps) Additional Uh, material. What does that mean? I said, Jenna, I found an email. (laughs) I quickly texted her. Randy goes on to say, we are planning these scenes for Monday, October 19th. Webisodes will be moving to Tuesday, October 20th. Thank you, Randy Cordray. Hmm. Hmm. Well, Jenna, this was a big deal because we were supposed to go on hiatus. Yes. Right? We had this big, long hiatus starting October 19th, all the way until after the new year. A few of us were going to work on the webisodes, but the majority of the company was officially on hiatus. So Randy was basically saying, like, up, don't go out of town. We might need you. Yes. I
1: found out that Steve was scheduled to shoot the movie Dinner for Schmucks. So we were shutting down production early that year. I spoke to James Carey, who uncovered the call sheet (gasps) schedule for shareholder meeting. And it's true. We shot most of this episode the week of September 28th, but we did not shoot the Jim Ryan scenes until Friday, October 16th. I had to know why. The plot thickens. Writer Justin Spitzer told me that the Jim Ryan storyline was a part of his original outline for this episode, but it was eventually cut from the shooting draft in favor of staying at the hotel for more scenes of the shareholder meeting. So that plot, that Jim Ryan plot, was then shortened and repurposed as a cold open for Scott's Tots. What? We actually shot it. During Scott's Tots. But then it was cut from Scott's Tots, and it was rewritten again, and we added that shoot day, and it went back into shareholder meeting. So Justin said that when they were editing shareholder meeting, they just missed not checking in on the group back at Dunder Mifflin. He also said that in all of these iterations of the Jim Ryan storyline, the one thing that always happened was that Ryan ended up in a closet. And the reason for this was that they wanted to get BJ out of the background of scenes that were happening in the bullpen. Sneaky. Yes. So that scene that we saw, Angela, that's in the annex with Ryan playing Tetris? Yeah. That was actually shot during Scott's Tots. That is the one scene from that cold open that remained. And then we added all of this other stuff about people not taking Jim seriously, and we fleshed
0: it out. Well, this was clearly a puzzle, but we haven't figured it out yet. We are still wondering about these four gift bags on Kelly's desk. I was curious which webisode we were shooting that week, so I reached out to Randy, and he said it was The Mentor. In this webisode series, Erin decides she wants to learn to be an accountant, I rewatched it, and here's how it's set up. Sometimes
1: I do get bored at reception, and I wonder what it's like to be an accountant. So I guess what I'm saying is I really want your life, and I don't know how to get it. Are you good with numbers? The count used to be my favorite part of Sesame Street. One apple, two apples, three apples. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, maybe it's not for you.
0: I could be your mentor. Okay. Yeah, I can do it. I have to do everything else around here, so. Really? Yes. Great! Oh! Uh Uh-huh. This whole webisode series is Angela Martin teaching Erin how to be an accountant and grooming her. How does that go? (laughs) We actually (laughs) had so much fun. Of course, it doesn't turn out the way Angela hoped, but it was a blast to shoot. Randy also shared the call sheet with me. We filmed the webisode on Monday, October 19th. Here were two fun details on the call sheet that day. Quote, today, Monday, scare 19th. Today is the second annual Michael Scott Dunder Mifflin Scranton Office Memorial Cast and Crew Fun Halloween Costume Contest for the Doldrum's Cure. Yes! That's because we were not going to be shooting over Halloween that year. We had to move
1: up our Halloween parade.
0: Yes, our costume parade at work. It also said, "Quote, a video crew from NBC.com will be on set today." Well, this explained another email from my digital clutter. I had found an email from Joya Balfour, who worked for NBC.com, saying she was coming to set with a bunch of bobbleheads for me to feature in one of my adventures with Angela segments for NBC. She even shared with me a mock-up poster for the sale of the bobbleheads that were going to go online. I'll put that in our stories. But here's the thing I was curious about. She ended her email by saying, quote, Has Mindy played her new webisode song track for you? If not, go bug her, because it's amazing. I've been humming it all weekend. Well, now that got me curious about what song she was talking about. So I looked it up, and Subtle Sexuality, the webisode series, was about to air on October 29th. And Joya had seen an early edit of it. So I went to rewatch that. Jenna, Joya was right. The song is so good. Just listen to the chorus. I can't get it out of my head.
1: Wait. Is that an original song and Mindy is singing it? Yes. Stop it. Isn't that so good? Why is she not outperforming that at clubs (laughs) all the time? That is so catchy.
0: It is really a fun song. And both of those webisodes were so great, but they still didn't explain the gifts. Yeah. Were they in any of the deleted scenes? I saw no gift bags in any deleted scenes. I still don't know why Kelly has them on her desk. I even read the shooting draft for Scott's Tots
1: because the scene came from that episode, and there is nothing in that episode about Kelly and gift
0: bags. Well, a few folks also caught this, and there is a fan theory online about it. You slash Stolatron21 posted this theory on Reddit. And Jenna, it kind of makes sense. Okay. You, Stolatron 21, said, Jim forgets Kelly's birthday, part two. When Michael is at the shareholder meeting in New York, Jim, as co-manager, is left solely in charge and makes Ryan his office in the closet. When Jim's talking to him, Kelly's desk is seen in the background with birthday gifts implying Jim forgot her birthday again. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe did Jim forget her birthday twice? Maybe. I would think that would be
1: brought up. I don't know. Listen, what we're getting at here, folks, is that while we uncovered a lot of interesting information, we're still not sure why Kelly has gift bags on her desk, and we may never know. We
0: may never know.
1: It's very on point for mom detectives.
0: It kind of is. We have a lot of fun trying to solve it. We have snacks and texts and laughs along the way. Yeah. It's ultimately about the journey. It really is.
1: Well, there you have it, guys. Mom detectives, we solved a lot of things, but not the thing in question.
0: You're welcome. (laughs) Put that on the poster. We solve a lot of things, just not what you asked.
1: (laughs) All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back to talk all things Recyclops. So this winter...
0: stressors. Some are big, some are small. I know I keep mine kind of bottled up, and it can start to affect us. Well, therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists
1: anytime for no additional charge. You can finally get a chance to talk about all those
0: stressors. Get it off your chest with
1: BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash OfficeLadies
0: today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash OfficeLadies. When you travel, do you ever think like, oh no, I hope I locked up. Did I leave a window open?
1: Things like that. Well, that's why you should invest in Simply Safe Home Security today. Simply Safe was named Best Home Security System in 2024 by the US News and World Report. And Newsweek ranked it best customer service in home security.
0: Well, you all have heard me talk about Simply Safe because it really is simple and it does make me feel safe. We went through the website and we picked exactly what we needed for our home. That's what I really like is you can customize what you need. To fit your living space. You know? I love our Simply Safe. Simply Safe has given me and many of my listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit SimplySafe.com/slash officeladies. That's simplysafe.com slash office ladies. There's no safe like Simply Safe. The show starts with Dwight entering dressed as a robot and demands everyone bow down before Recyclops. It's time to recycle, guys. It's very over the top. hmm
1: Yes. And then Jim has a talking head where he explains that five years ago, Dwight started dressing up as this Recyclops character as a way to, I guess, corporate had this mandated recycling program, and this is Dwight's answer to that
0: yeah i guess that's how he's gonna help motivate people to recycle jenna during this jim talking head i noticed something what is it here i go with some train stuff oh my gosh what i know did you notice you guys when you re-watched that the train poster behind jim in his office is gone No. Train enthusiast Jim has (laughs) taken his train poster
1: down? Exactly. Why? Why would someone who loves trains as much as Jim Halpert take this poster down, Angela?
0: I don't know, but I did find out something about the train poster. That's not even there? That's not even there. You Googled the poster that is gone? I didn't Google it. Well, Google's only been
1: around for a little while, so how did you research it, You know what?
0: Sit down, lady. You sit it down. Um, I'm not the only one who is excited about trains, Jenna. Nikki, who runs the Office Ladies Facebook fan page, shared with me that a member of the Facebook group posted information about Jim's train poster, and she thought I should know. Well, tell us. This is a shout out to Eric Slekovac. He is an actual locomotive engineer for a railroad that is around the Scranton area. And he wrote that the poster in Jim's office is actually a painting of the Phoebe Snow. It was a famous passenger train run by the Erie-Lackawanna Railroad. It serves Scranton, and that painting depicts the Phoebe Snow stopping at Scranton. And the Scranton station is still standing and is now a beautiful hotel called the Radisson, which is mentioned throughout the series. Eric goes on to say, I hope you all enjoyed another train nerd out. And Eric, I did. Thank you so much for sharing. Mouth agape?
1: Yeah. I loved Eric's info. Right? And I am so impressed by our set dressing team that they put such a wonderfully specific painting in Jim's office, which is now gone. We don't know why. We don't know why. Uh, guess who's
0: going to be tracking it? Mom Detective? Mom Detective. So we'll never get to the bottom of it. We'll never get to the bottom of it, but... We're going to look for it. (laughs) Put this on a card. Where is the Phoebe Snow? Yeah. Uh Where is
1: the Phoebe Snow? Where is the
0: Phoebe Snow? That's
1: literally an episode title. I know. (laughs) Okay, back to this episode. I really loved that. Eric, thank you. I know. And Nikki, thanks for letting us know. We're going to start a series of flashbacks. We are going to see Recyclops evolve over five years, this was really fun because the first time we see Recyclops, he's up at reception and we got to go back to our old hairstyles and our old wardrobe. They scrunched up my hair and they had a hard time. They had to like really like make John's hair go like all in that like floppy mop do. Right. It was really cute. And then I don't know if you noticed,
0: but next up, Ryan is at reception. Remember when Ryan stepped oh, yeah, yeah. in? What was so fun about all these flashbacks is seeing all the different, like, iterations of receptionists over the years. Well, the next year when Recyclops has really started to
1: take shape, Ronnie is at reception. Remember, she was played by Dale Raul. But the only problem with this is that this Recyclops event is supposed to be an annual event in February for Earth Day. And Ronnie was actually the receptionist over the summer when Pam was at art school. Oh,
0: somebody mom detective, the shiitake out of that one. Yeah, thank you very much. You're welcome.
1: Then Recyclops, you know, ends up in this final stage. Very elaborate. Mm -hmm. But it seems like he's now, like, turned to... Like a Terminator. Yeah, he's now actually destroying things with aerosol spray.
0: And Stanley has this great dialogue where he's like, wait, I thought you were killed by pollutacorn. And Dwight's like, pollutacorn wishes. I know. <laughs> Rain loved dressing up in that like Terminator outfit. I took a picture of him. Jenna, it's on our book. I know. Oh, he was like a kid. He was like a kid getting to play dress up.
1: I connected with our costume designer, Alicia Raycraft, to ask her all about this amazing transformation of Recyclops. You know, we've said before that Alicia was particularly gifted at building costumes from scratch for very little money. Although she said for this, she had a pretty good budget. But I found out she worked in the theater. And this is why she was so talented at building these costumes. She worked for Blue Man Group, and she did the puppet maintenance on The Lion King on Broadway. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. To get started on this, she told me that she would take a picture of Rain. And then she would sketch like an overlay on top of it. So she could really see what rain would look like in all these different costumes. I found that sort of amazing.
0: It is amazing. And Alicia is a great artist.
1: Yes. She even shared her sketches with us. We have them. All of her sketches of Recyclops. The first thing she would do is show her sketches to the writer. And in this case, they really did break down, in some cases, what Recyclops should look like. So for example, for the very first Recyclops, in the script, it said, Earth Day 2005, Dwight is wearing a Think Green t-shirt, a bandana over his mouth, and a third eye on his forehead while lecturing everyone on recycling. So Alicia told me that her first concern was that that description reminded her a little bit of this character called Greenzo from 30 Rock, who was played by David Schwimmer. Greenzo was 30 Rock's... Recyclops? Yeah, kind of. He was this environmental activist. He wore like a green shirt. He wore a green baseball cap. So when she was sketching out Dwight's first costume, she wanted to make sure no one was going to think this was Greenzo. So then the script said, Earth Day 2006, Dwight is wearing a Love Earth t-shirt, a cape, wrist guards, elbow pads, knee pads, moon boots, a full motorcycle helmet, and a larger eye in the middle of his forehead as he lectures everyone in the office. And in Alicia's notes, she wrote this, which I found hilarious. She wrote, quote, I don't think this has anything to do with Earth Day anymore for Dwight. <laughs> So, like, you yeah. Yeah, think? Yeah. She's like, the costume needs to <laughs> reflect that. Yeah. But then the script got really vague. The next two for September 2006 and February 2007, they just say, Dwight is in a much more serious costume, or the costume is more elaborate. And so she just really had to start making things up. She really did. But the present day Recyclops was scripted like this. He wears heavy green body armor, which makes it difficult to walk. There is a blinking LED display on his chest. He has aerosol cans taped to his hands, which spray a red mist. A weapon belt holds Chinese stars, boomerang, samurai sword, fencing epi. On his head, he wears a helmet with a hole in the middle showing his one giant eye. So for this... Alicia said she researched skateboarding and hockey equipment as well as lacrosse equipment because she wanted the whole thing to have sort of like a subterfuge ops sort of feel. She said they gathered everything, and she didn't want to force Rain to, like, try on all this equipment. So Alicia put it on herself. Oh. And she sent me a picture of herself. Oh, my gosh. And they built this costume onto Alicia and... And then once they got it approved, they put it onto Rain. And she also said there was like a lot of back and forth about what the LED box should say. And then they finally settled on Kill. And that is how Recyclops evolved and ultimately came to be. And thank you, Alicia, for digging through all of your digital clutter and sending us those amazing sketches. We're gonna post them
0: in pod stories. Yes, they're so beautiful. Like you really see what a just amazing sketch artist she is, as well as being this. You know, my gosh, she can sew and sketch and do everything. Mm-hmm. I did notice Jenna in the very first shooting draft for mm-hmm. this episode. This is what it said about this whole cold open. Very first shooting draft. Cold open. To come, semicolon, Recyclops! Five exclamation points. (laughs) End of cold open.
1: (laughs) That's all it said. Yeah, you know, when I was talking to Justin about the Jim Ryan storyline, he said this episode really came in pieces. That Recyclops was added a little later. We did ultimately shoot Recyclops while shooting this episode. But, yeah, this one was, you know, bits and pieces.
0: Bits and pieces. Well, before we... End the cold open. I just had a really random thought. What is it? What if Mindy was given four gifts and set them on her desk and forgot them there? And then they shot the Tetris scene and no one noticed them. And they were actually gifts for Mindy, not Kelly Kapoor. Just throwing it out there. My God.
1: I mean, the one person we didn't check with was Mindy. I know. We should send her a screenshot
0: of it and be like, Mindy. Was there something special happening? I'm just saying, what if it was a special day for Mindy and people had given her gifts and she left them on her desk and ran to get a snack and then they shot the Tetris scene? I don't know.
1: I I don't
0: buy that theory
1: because there is no way that Veda would allow gift bags on Mindy's desk for no reason. She'd be like, what's up with the gift bags?
0: No, you're right. You're right. Okay. Well, again, we may never know but we learned a lot of other things. We will never stop wondering. It's our gift to you, Mm -hmm. a sense of wonder and curiosity. (laughs) All right. Well, listen, this episode is going to start with Michael. He's practicing waving and nodding. Or Wait, should he stand? Should he sit down? Yeah. Should Hmm. he twirl? No. Don't twirl. Do
1: not twirl. He's trying to figure out What he's going to do when they announce his name at the shareholder meeting, when he's up on the stage. Everyone really just wants him to give a little wave.
0: Yeah. Phyllis's reaction to the twirl is my favorite. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's like a thing. Clearly, there's history with this twirl. It's not the first time he's brought it up.
1: I feel like from the very beginning, I think I have the first line, and Pam's like, yeah, that's great. That's great. Do the wave. I feel like that's because this is like the 15th thing he showed us. Oh, yeah. Here's the thing, though. While Michael is practicing waving, Oscar is looking up on his computer the stock prices for Dunder Mifflin, and it's not good. And he would like Michael to take it seriously.
0: Well, I have two background catches during this scene between Michael and Oscar at Oscar's desk. At 3 minutes 28 seconds... Please note the superb on-screen DMI stock page. You know, it's the one Oscar's looking at. That was created by our graphic designer, Henry Sane, and Randy shared with us the original of it. I'll put it in our stories. Second background catch, I'm calling it a solitaire catch. Is it Meredith? Three minutes, 32 seconds. Kate is playing solitaire on her computer through the whole scene. You can see her game. Yeah. She always did very well. She was very good at it. Well, Aaron is going to
1: announce that Michael's limo has arrived. His limo. And no, no, like, no. no, no,
0: no. It's a town car.
1: She's right? like, I'm pretty sure it's a limo. Everyone goes and looks outside.
0: It sure is. They sent a stretch limo. Everyone is super impressed. But Oscar, who once again is like, this is classic Dunder Mifflin. They don't have the money and they're just throwing it out there like that. This, of course, <laughs> oh, Jenna, led me to bigcars.com. Oh, Mm -hmm. bigcars.com? Yeah, it did. It sounds, Mm -hmm. I don't know what it sounds like. I I know, I know. It sounds like a random thing to have in my search history. But there it is, because in 1889, the first limousine automobile was introduced to Paris, France. Really? Yes. I had to know more. Where did the limousine come from, Jenna? I had to know. The word limousine actually comes from the French word... mm, Not gonna say it right. (laughs) Limousine.
1: Wait, (laughs) wait. The word limousine comes from the French word limousine. <laughs> I'm shocked. How did we how right. did we come up with that? Listen, what a leap!
0: There is a thing that I want to share with you. It's it's relatively new, like in the last like six months. It's called Google Translate. Google just came up with it. It's they did brand new. Oh, uh-huh. just
1: like in the last few days.
0: Yeah, it's it literally it's brand new. If you look it up on your app, it's um okay. Let's one second we're typing in limo What is Google again? It's um it's a search engine that came about about 5 years ago.
1: Huh.
0: <laughs> I'll need you to show me how to use that later. All right. This is how you say limousine in French according to Google Translate.
1: Limousine. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: wait. Wait. <laughs> this is what it says. This is what it says. Oh wait. Oh wait. Maybe. Oh, I played the English. Okay, wait. This is how you do it in French. Limousine. Oh! <laughs> limousine. I do this is a reoccurring segment where you play it in English and go, oh, it sounds similar. <laughs> oh, lord. Lordy, lordy, lordy. Okay. Okay, limousine. everybody. Limousine. Limousine. Right. Well, I had to know where the first limousine <laughs> originated. <laughs> it was a former province in France, and... The original limousine had a closed passenger compartment and the driver was exposed to the elements. The enclosed portion of the car was said to resemble the limousine cloaks that were worn by the countryside shepherds. So the shepherds in a province of France called Limousine wore cloaks that were specific to that region of how people dressed because they were outside farming and shepherds in the cold. And they would transport their goods in a type of like horse-drawn cart with part of it covered and the driver exposed. Okay. All right? That is when the word limousine, which referred to a a chauffeured type of transportation, was born. Historically, limos were delivery vehicles. Hmm. Yeah. And it wasn't until Woodrow Wilson rode in a chauffeured car that the limousine was used to transport people, important persons. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. And that sort of became the thing. A limousine showed the separation between passenger and driver. And then once chauffeur transportation started being associated with the wealthy, well, then it was the bigger, the more flashier, the better, right? Okay. The stretch limousine, for example, is an American-made limousine. And, you know, that's like the one you would take to prom or parties and everyone would pile in. According to coldwire.com, here are the list of type of limos you can get now. Oh, okay. Standard stretch limo, sedan limo, Hummer limo, SUV limo, a limo bus, eco-friendly limo, convertible limo, tank limo, jacuzzi limo, and an old-fashioned limo.
1: Oh, is that a limo where I drink (laughs) an (laughs) old-fashioned?
0: It should be. There you have it, guys. Limousine originated in limousine. So,
1: here's what I'm getting from that. In order to qualify to be a limousine versus, let's say, just a chauffeured town car, Mm -hmm. there must be a separation between passenger and driver. That is correct. And so, that would be like the little... The window. Little window. Mm
0: -hmm. Hmm. Or in some other types of older limousines, the driver is actually outside of the enclosed... Right. Car. Like you sort of see those, I think sometimes like Buckingham Palace has an oldie they'll pull out every once in a while. Right. Mm-hmm. That would be
1: a limousine. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, there you have it. I like learning things like this. You know, it makes me an interesting dinner companion, I think.
0: You got lots of stuff you can just throw out at a random cocktail gathering. I really do. Mm-hmm. It's one of the benefits of doing this podcast. I love tidbits. We do love a tidbit.
1: This limo seats eight people. Michael wants to bring the whole gang, but we're going to have to decide who actually gets to go to the shareholder meeting. I absolutely loved our limo driver. He was so good. Randy told me that he was played by our very own transportation captain, Mike Stork. He was so no-nonsense. I guess when it was time to cast the role... Randy talked to Allison about maybe using one of our transportation regulars because this person was going to have to actually navigate a stretch limo through Los Angeles traffic while we were rolling. So Randy was like, it would be great if we could have an actor with professional driving experience. Well, I guess Justin Spitzer and Paul Lieberstein did a little mini audition with Mike, and they loved his dry delivery
0: It was so perfect. It was so perfect. So here's who ends up going to the shareholder meeting Andy, Michael, Dwight, and Oscar. And And they are living it up in the limo. They are so excited. There's drinks, and Michael says it's bigger than where he sleeps. Is he still sleeping on the bench? Is he still sitting on the bench even though Jan's gone? (laughs) That's what I thought too. I found out a little bit
1: about how we shot these limousine scenes from our own Randy Cordray. At 6 minutes, 12 seconds, we see inside the limo. It's mm-hmm. really driving down the road. Randy said this was shot with Charles McDougall, our director, sitting in the front seat, and Matt Sone inside of the back of the limo with the cast. He said, we drove the limo around Balboa Park, which is a very good palm tree-free zone. Now, then, at 6 minutes 38 seconds, we see the limo driving down the streets of Los Angeles, substituting for New York City. Mm -hmm. And he said, for this, we shot car to car. Matt Sohn was in one car, hanging out the window, filming our limo from across traffic. And he said, for this scene, we rented four New York City-looking taxi cabs, to be around the limo to help sell the idea that they were in New York. It was a nice touch. I noticed it.
0: Well, the fellows are going to arrive at, you know, the fancy building that the shareholder meeting is in. Did you see the people protesting in the lobby? Wait. Right as they walk through, there's a whole bunch of people protesting the Dunder Mifflin shareholder meeting. At 6 minutes, 53 seconds, you can see them. They're all holding up signs My favorite was Blunder Mifflin. (laughs) I I love it. thought that was a great job by Phil Shea. And yeah, if they were paying attention, they'd notice right away, this is not going to be smooth sailing. Well, they don't notice. They are
1: greeted by Lori, who's going to take Michael up to the lounge. Lori was played by Amy Cale Peterson. And when Michael gets to the lounge... He is introduced, finally, to Alan Brand. Yeah. We're going to meet this Alan guy. Finally. He is the CEO of Dunder Mifflin. He was played by Alan Fudge. In his 37-year career, Alan Fudge appeared on so many television series and in so many films. He had recurring roles on Seventh Heaven, Murder, She Wrote, L.A. Law, Matlock, and Columbo... You know, I've been loving my rewatch of Columbo. Columbo. Yeah, And The Office was Alan's final on-screen acting job. He sadly passed away shortly after filming this episode. But we were so fortunate to have him. He's great. Michael also gets introduced to Congressman Chris O'Keefe. He bows when he meets him. Yeah, he says, your eminence. (laughs) And Chris O'Keefe was played by Chris Ellis.
0: So, there are lines forming in this big room that they've rented for this meeting. And Dwight is determined to get to the front of the line.
1: Yeah, he wants to give Michael a softball question
0: early because then he's got to go to the garment district to grab a crate of his shirts. He has a shirt guy. Now we have figured out where Dwight gets all of the short sleeve mustard (laughs) shirts. He has a guy. Well, I guess there were some other things that
1: Dwight might do with his extra time. They were in our must-shoot candy bag for this episode. Oh, I love a candy bag. What was in there? So, guys, these are the alternates that we would shoot for every episode. A must-shoot meant we had to get them. So here are two other things Dwight was going to do with his time. He says, I was hoping to lob Michael's softball question early. Then I was going to sneak away to the New York Public Library and see about this ghost thing for myself. That's like a Ghostbusters reference. Right, right. And then the other one was, then I was going to swing down to the diamond district and see what these are worth. And then it says, Dwight holds out a black felt cloth with a bunch of small diamonds in it. So either shirts, ghost hunting, or getting some diamonds appraised.
0: I love the shirt one. I love that we finally find out where he gets all of those mustard shirts. I agree. Well, there's some fun stuff in the deleted scenes of Dwight in this line. You know, Jenna, he becomes classic Dwight. He has rules for his line. Oh, yeah. I mean, when the woman in line asks Dwight if
1: she'll save his place so she can go to the bathroom, he says no. Mm-mm. And then, lady, there was a couplet of dialogue that I love where she says, it'll just be a second. And then he says, if onlys and justs were candy and nuts, then every day would be... Erntedonkfest. I did a deep dive on Erntedonkfest.
0: What? What is Erntedonkfest? Well, it's German,
1: and it translates as "give thanks for the harvest festival," and it's a real thing. Ah! It is very similar to America's Thanksgiving, just in that it is a uh, time to give thanks and appreciation for that year's harvest. It is traditionally celebrated on the first Sunday that falls after September 29th. And it is traditionally celebrated with a church service by the Catholic and Protestant churches. And then following that, there are parades and a feast. Now, there is no one meal that's served, but you'll usually find like a large chicken or a rooster, I guess, or a fattened hen. That is served with root vegetables and bread. You eat rooster? I guess for Ernst Donkfest, you can eat a rooster. You can. Okay. If you want. Well, I brought this up to Justin Spitzer.
0: Ernst Donkfest?
1: Yeah. And I said, I just loved that line. And he wrote back and said, Well, Jenna, there's sort of a code where writers aren't supposed to take credit for like certain moments in a script, but. It was his. He said, I did write it. <laughs> and it's really funny to me. So thank you for appreciating it. <laughs> it but was really funny. It. Well, listen, we got a little ahead of ourselves. We should back up because we have to see Oscar and Andy enter this shareholder meeting now.
0: Well, let's take a break. And when we come back, Oscar is furious and Andy is really encouraging him to say something. I know. that we use Squarespace for
1: our Office Ladies website. And it is so user-friendly, so easy to use. We are not tech people. And we could not be happier with our experience. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash to save 10% off your first purchase of a website
0: or domain. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, Match with Indeed. Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed to connect with candidates faster by scheduling, screening, and messaging. And Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Twenty-three hires were made on Indeed every minute, according to Indeed Data Worldwide. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash officeladies. Just go to Indeed.com OfficeLadies right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash office ladies. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. we're back and Oscar
1: and Andy are making their way down the aisle. Oscar is incensed at the money that was spent on this event.
0: Oscar actually has some really good ideas. I know
1: and Andy says you know you should say something. You should go to the mic. Yeah. I spotted something in this scene. What? At 8 minutes 15 seconds I spotted a mic hide. A mic hide? Do you remember the way that they would hide the microphones inside the knot of the men's ties? Oh yeah. they would put this squishy thing around the microphone. It kind of looks like a um, like an earplug with a hole in the middle and they would stick the mic in that and then they would put that whole thing into like the knot of the tie and you can only see it if you know to look for it, but I think I could see it in Oscar's tie as he's walking down the aisle. <laughs>
0: Well, now you know about the mic hide and the tie. It'll be all that you look for, guys. I know. You're, you're welcome. Back in the office, we have a little bit of what I'm calling sass in the break room.
1: Yeah, Jim's having problems. I guess he asked Ryan to import all of their contacts into Outlook. But Ryan is like, isn't the company going under? I yeah. mean, shouldn't we wait to find out? Like, why do all this work if the company's going
0: under? I mean, he kind of has a point, but he's also being a slacker. Yeah, I do see his point, though. I know. It feels like busy work. Yeah. Honestly, Jim, it feels like busy work. At 5 minutes, 48 seconds, we got a coffee mug callback. What is it? Meredith is drinking out of her America's Got Talent coffee mug from customer survey. Mm-hmm.
1: The problems for Jim are not going to get any easier. Phyllis is going to come back from her lunch a long lunch. Two-hour lunch. I mean, we know what Bob and Phyllis oh, do in the
0: bathroom at lunch. Oh, Lord. Remember? I hadn't even gone there. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this was a long lunch. I think we know what they were up to. She says she's a little tipsy, which she just admits that to her boss, Jim. Jim's like, why are you saying this to me? But Jenna, I have a question for you. What is it? How do you say the word fire? Fire. Fire. Yeah. Sam? Sam? fire. Cassie? Fire. Fire. Because listen to how Phyllis says it. I thought I could hear a little bit of St. Louis in that fire. Hey Phyllis, are you just getting back from lunch now? Bob took me to Capello's. We got a little tipsy. Okay.
1: Shouldn't be telling me that stuff and also shouldn't be taking two hour lunches without telling me.
0: Oh, it's okay. Michael doesn't really care about these things.
1: I care about them. And I'm just as much of a boss as Michael.
0: (laughs) What's so funny? I'm I'm a co-manager. That doesn't make you a boss. It's not like you can fire people or anything. Well, who?
1: How did you? Who's who told you this? Ryan. We can't say.
0: Far, fire people or anything. Fire people. Far.
1: You know what I need to do is ask my mom and dad to say far and yes. see what they say.
0: Because she says farty far,
1: right? Far. far. I think maybe hmm Accent catch. Way to go. You're welcome. St. Lou. Limousine. <laughs> <laughs> far. Far. Well, by the way, this sets off a whole thing. Can
0: Jim far people or not? Everyone seems to think he can't. Even Pam for a second. Yes,
1: she forgot that she has to support Jim no matter what. That was a close one, she says.
0: Back at the fancy shareholder meeting, it's showtime for Michael. Mm-hmm. He's going to be introduced, do his wave. He does. And he
1: does do the wave. He doesn't twirl, thank goodness. Yeah. It's still a bit awkward. And that's it. Then he just sits down. In the audience, though, Andy, he will not stop encouraging Oscar to stand up and go to the microphone and say what's what.
0: Yeah, Andy says he's, you know, the guy that rallies other people to rebel, he once organized a walkout over standardized testing and got over 500 students to skip the SATs. Mm-hmm. And he chickened out, and he took them anyway. He scored a 1220. Yeah. He yeah. feels very lacrimose about it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which means tearful or given to weeping. I looked it up, too. So did I. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I feel like I should figure out what that means. Yeah. Well, he got a 1220 on his SATs. Mm-hmm. This led me to a mini deep dive. Per a website called Prep Scholar, who did a survey in 2019, the SAT score range is 400 to 1,600 for your total score. One section scores math while the other is a combined reading and writing. As you would expect, the higher your score, the better you did compared to the other. Test takers, so I wanted to know where did Andy rank?
1: OK, I thought he sounded like he did pretty good.
0: I did too. So he would have been in the 74th percentile very well. I know. I did not take the SAT. No, I scheduled it, but my ACT was before my SAT. Mm-hmm. And I took my ACT and I scored high enough to get into my college of choice, so I just didn't take the SAT. <laughs> I was like, "Wait, oh, can wow. I can I get in with my ACT score?" And they were like, "Yeah." I was like, "Okay, bye.
1: I took both. And you know, now they're moving it to a uh, digital online version but i did the old fashioned paper and pencil
0: me too in a big auditorium where i had to sit every other row yep. super spaced apart
1: exactly yeah i took both of them ACT SAT now after college my college had this um they had this standardized test that you had to take to test out of college you didn't have to pass it or get any certain score to leave the school but they just wanted it like for their records i think just to show how people would score on tests after attending their school. Right. Yeah. And I was like bitter about it. It was like a Saturday. I had to get up really early. And it was standardized, weirdly. It was on a computer. It was all multiple choice. And um, I started taking the test. And it was going to be one of those two to three hour tests. And at a certain point, guess what? You left. Every answer was C. (sighs) I just went C, 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 C. I didn't do that bad on it. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You just played the odds of hitting C over and over. I did. So I'm sorry to my university that I actually really loved that I uh, just phoned it in on that test, but I didn't want to take it.
0: So that's why I did. Well, well, that's what happened.
1: (laughs) So they, they maybe didn't look so good on their stats that year. It wasn't bad, though, I'll say.
0: Don't don't make me take a test to try to make you look good. That's right.
1: (laughs) That's not my job. My job was to pay you money and get an education, and then we just, we part ways. Well, I think that joke only works if Andy does well on the test. After he talked everybody else out of taking it. That's a good button for the joke that he
0: was in the 74th percentile. Right. But he regrets it. He regrets taking it. He does.
1: The crowd is taken to the mic, and they are angry. And they're saying that the board of Dunder Mifflin are criminals. And Michael is going to
0: defend the company. He's going to do what Michael does best and Mm -hmm. pretty much burn it to the ground.
1: (laughs) Yes. He is going to share about how great Dunder Mifflin is. They sent him a limo. Yes. And all this free food. Yes. Can you believe it? The crowd gets even angrier. Like, to the point where they're running these guys off the stage. So Michael promises that they're going to take a break, but they're going to come back from their break. This is my favorite thing. With a 45-day, 45-point plan to get the company back on track. Now the crowd goes wild. Michael's got him in the palm of his hand. And he doesn't stop there. He says, limo lady. This is the woman who was angry about the limo. We're going
0: carbon neutral everyone cheers. (laughs) And they're like, get him off the stage. But he like runs back for an encore spin. Yeah. He
1: gets the spin in. got the twirl and the wave. All of it. You know, that carbon neutral line, that was another little nod to green week. But man, I love a 45-day, 45-point plan to get things done. It made me want to make one for my own life. Here's the part. just to
0: make it. Here's the part I love. 1 point per day. We get the 45 points and we are back in business. <laughs> exactly. You just get 1 point a day. Well, then
1: when he goes up to the up to the like holding room and those guys are freaking out, they're like, "Michael, what have you done?" He's like, "Listen. Get me a pad of paper. The only answer here is to do what I said." So, day 45. Go. Company saved. What's day 44? (laughs) He's going to work backwards.
0: It's so amazing. And he's like, we got 15 minutes. Let's do this.
1: Well, I would say up in the lounge at 15 minutes, 44 seconds, I have a Fiji water catch.
0: I knew you would. And at 15 minutes, 51 seconds, I got a Gouda catch. What's a Gouda catch? It's an enormous plate of Gouda. There's so much Gouda. There is? I I couldn't get over it.
1: I had to take a picture of the screen. I did not get the Gouda catch, but at 17 minutes, I have a New York Times catch. It's sitting out on the table. I thought that was a very nice
0: detail from Phil Shea. Well, at 1709, I've got a fabulous plant catch. What? There are so many great plants in this scene. (laughs) Okay. I just have to say, I love that I spotted
1: water and a newspaper, and you spotted some cheese and
0: plants. That is all you need to know about us. That is everything. Oh, my gosh. Well, Michael has a plan. He's going to call Oscar. Oscar has all these great ideas. He's an accountant. He's going to get him up there to talk to everybody. This is not a bad idea. I know. But Oscar completely chokes.
1: He's worried he's going to get fired if he tells the truth to these big bosses.
0: Yeah. Well, this really sets off the room. The congressman calls Michael a moron. And Michael goes, I'm not a moron. Time after time, my branch leads in sales. I have personally won over 17 Dundee awards. <laughs> Which, guys, are awards he basically gives himself.
1: Yeah. Oh. Well, then Congressman O'Keefe says... He's taken back the limo. You guys don't get to ride the limo back to Scranton.
0: Michael hauls ass <laughs> out of there. He gets the guys who's like, let's go, let's go. Load it up.
1: Well, they jump into the limo. They yell at the driver to drive. They've got booze. They're celebrating. Their hands go up out of the sunroof. It's very exciting. It's a big party.
0: Few background catches here and some tidbits from Randy. At 20 minutes, eight seconds at the limo loading area, Randy said they rented five additional limos for the day to make it appear that the Dunder Mifflin corporate people had truly been overdoing it, right? I like that. 20 minutes, 22 seconds per Randy. When you see the hands outside the limo from the outside shot, yes. the cast had already been released for the day. So those hands are Randy's, our stand-in Stephen Socks, our PA Greg Ubaraga, and our PA Chuck Canzeroni. No way! I love that. Yeah, and they all put on dress, like, suit jackets so they could match when their hands went out. Well, when the limo's
1: driving down the street right after that shot, you see the Dunder Mifflin stock ticker go by on a building, and you can see that it's dropping. The arrow, the down arrow is, (laughs) yeah. Well, I guess creating this very small moment of this ticker on the side of the building took a lot of effort. I was curious about it because I don't recall us having things like that in downtown L.A., but they're very popular in New York. They're wraparound, like, electronic billboard. Yes. Yeah. Randy told me we totally faked it. That is a fakie ticker. Like the sign doesn't even exist on the building. Yes.
0: Wow. He
1: said they started by finding real buildings in New York that had stock tickers. And then they tried to find a building in downtown LA that kind of matched it. So they settled on the Brooks Brother building. Just to be clear, there is no ticker on the side of this building. Okay. So, our graphics designer, Henry Sane, created the fake ticker. And then, Stargate International, which was our go to CGI company, they put it on the building and made it look 3D. Fakey ticker.
0: Well done, fakey ticker. Well,
1: that finishes out the fellas at the shareholder meeting. Back in Scranton, here we are. We're at that scene. That we started with in Mom Detectives.
0: Fifteen minutes, thirty two seconds, count them four mysterious gift bags on Kelly's desk. Ryan is continuing to be defiant, and Jim finally has the answer. Yeah. He's gonna give him a new office.
1: Mm-hmm. And that office is the closet off the kitchen. The old supply closet. Mm-hmm. I remember when they built that closet.
0: I do, too. (laughs) I do, too. And it really was very tiny. It was. And when you would see BJ as Ryan in there, like, at his little desk, it was really funny looking. And it really was very enclosed, like, when you shut the door. It was pitch dark. Yes,
1: it was. This episode has a tag at the end that sort of, like, takes us back in time. We would do this sometimes. We see Dwight finally getting his turn at the microphone. And instead of talking about Dunder Mifflin, he's going to give a speech about how to improve the line situation. Yeah. We just used to like to do this. If there was a bit, if there was a joke that didn't make it into an episode, sometimes we would use it as a tag, and that's what happened here. We got a lot of mail of people saying, wait a second, did Dwight go back to the hotel because he was in the limo? No, we. this was sort of like a, a flashback
0: kind of tag. Yes, exactly. It was like sort of out of sequence. Yes, Well, that was shareholder meeting. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Jen, I hope you enjoyed your cookies and your flowers. I did.
1: I have had a wonderful birthday, I want to say. It's been stretched out in our family. Instead of doing gifts as much, sometimes we do experiences. Yeah. So, like, my son took me to my first Lakers game. (gasps) So fun. I know. And I got to see that game where LeBron James, like, scored all the, like, gazillion points. That sounds like LeBron. <laughs> I know. that. <laughs> Listen to me like my first basketball game. You guys, LeBron James scored a gazillion <laughs> He's points. really good. He's a very, very good basketball player. Yes, he is. When I was there, it was funny because I turned to my husband and I said, these Laker girls are very good dancers. <laughs> it's like truly like a person being there for the first time. But I loved it. And then my daughter arranged for me to have manicure pedicure with her. Aw. So cute. And then you guys, my husband, Lee, I love you so much. He converted the little room off our garage into an exercise room for me. The little storage room? Yes, lady, you're going to get your workout on? I am. I told him that I've been wanting to have this goal of getting back into shape, kind of like just moving my muscles a little bit more. I took a long time off for the pandemic, folks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. a lot of us did. We all did. Well, we had shoved our Peloton into this little kind of closet room, and it was mostly used for storage, and he cleaned it all out, and he put down, like, the little, like, foam floor. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he got me some kettlebells and all this stuff. I made him a list. He said, what would be, you know, the stuff you'd want in this little room, and so I can take my iPad in there and watch my workout videos, and I love it. So, thank you. And now I got all this stuff here today, but I had a great birthday. And I also got great birthday wishes from people online and through the office ladies post. I mean, I just felt so loved. So well, you are thank so you everyone. Loved. I know this is going to air long after my birthday, but thank you. I'm now 48.
0: You're a sassy 48. You look fabulous. We love you so much, lady. Thank you guys. Thank you. And Mindy if you're out there listening and you know why there were four gift bags on your desk at 15 minutes 32 seconds in this episode let us know we'd, we'd love, love to, to hear know. it we'd love to know we're going to wrap up with Mindy singing because it's fantastic I love that idea we will see you next week
1: you're the male- Thank you for listening to Office Ladies. Office Ladies is produced by Earwolf, Jenna Fisher, and Angela Kinsey. Our show is executive produced by Cody Fisher. Our producer is Cassie Jerkins, our sound engineer is Sam Kiefer, and our associate producer is Ainsley Bubico.
0: Our theme song is Rubber Tree by Creed Bratton. For ad-free versions of Office Ladies, go to stitcherpremium.com. For a free one-month trial of Stitcher Premium, use code OFFICE.